Welcome to session one of the Kingdom Essentials uh, growth group that is happening at Second Baptist Church on Sunday mornings from 8.30 to 9.30 in the adult classroom. Before we get into the lesson for the, this session, I just wanted to give some information out just for the for the first session to everybody, uh, and those that, especially those that missed uh, this past Sunday. Uh, just uh, like to get everybody's email who who will be involved in the growth group. That way, if there's something to send out as a to a, a to the group, I have your email to, to email to, and just so you have my email, it's k r h e b e r t at me. Dot com that me is me.com and you, I'll be posting these weekly uh, trying to do that weekly on our, on my website at the um, kennyhebert.com or letyourkingdomcome.com either one of those will get you to the, the website with with these uh, 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 growth group sessions that have been recorded and um, just if so if you missed this past Sunday and, and coming in the future Sundays, just so you know, the coffee and food are okay to bring to the group. Um, you can come as many times as you're able. One thing I'm going to try to do is record every week. So if you miss it, you can't come every week, it's okay. You can listen to class or review the, the, the session online, what, what we've talked about. And um, I just want to ask also, uh, this is... Uh, a season where there's a lot of people have been sick with the flu or COVID or RSV or just sick in general. And I'm asking that you would please not come to the group in person if you are sick. Uh, so we don't want to make anybody else sick. Um, uh, also, during this uh, class sessions will be dis- different than the recordings. The class sessions are going to be a consist of a mix of lecture, uh, interactive discussions, questions you can ask, times of prayer. So bring your Bible and be ready to participate. Uh, the recordings are going to be just me afterwards uh, recording the teaching and the, and the, the, the content from the, the session we have together. Um, and in, the, in, the, in this very beginning time, first couple of sessions, there's going to be a, a, a bit more lecture as I'm trying to get some foundational background things in place for the future uh, sessions we uh, have discussion together with. And so we'll be talking a lot of the, the foundational things about the kingdom of God. And, um, and, uh, and, and if, you're, if you're in place with us, uh, I'll be asking everybody to share in the reading of this different scriptures. Uh, be ready to participate in discussion, but know that it's not mandatory that you uh, that you do spend uh, participate. But it's open for everybody to participate in the discussions. And um, I think that's it for now. Let's get into the session. Um, today's uh, session. Oh, just well, actually before we get into the session is also just remember. Uh, this is not about just uh, gaining more uh, intellectual knowledge about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of essentials that we we uh, we will talk about. This is about uh, integrating them as in, in, into our life. Uh, it, it's really, really, we don't know the topic or know the information unless we've actually we're starting to live it. It becomes a part of who we are as a people of God. And so the point here is not just to gain knowledge and information, but hopefully that we are open to allowing the Holy Spirit to influence the way we think, influence the, the affection of our heart, and in turn uh, influence uh, our, our entire life and, our, and how we live our life uh, for Christ. Well, also, a, a couple more things. Um, if you have questions, 
about some of the content, either on the Sunday morning when you're there or as you're listening to the podcast, feel free to email me and reach out to me and, and we can have discussion about the topic to clarify things if you, if you are, are wanting some, if you have any questions uh, in regards to the stuff we're going to talk about. But also, uh, j- just to give you some um, uh, guess, uh, credit, I guess, we, is what I want to give to is uh, different books that I've read that uh, that, have, that have really influenced my understanding of the kingdom of God. Uh, and one of them is called The Gospel of the Kingdom by George Elton Ladd. Um, another one's called Breakthrough by Derek Morphew. And then there's a couple other books by George Elton Ladd. One is called The Crucial Questions About the Kingdom of God. And the other one is The Presence of the Future. These uh, are some of the books that I've read and, and some of the material I'll share from and, 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 and bring out in the sessions and, and, and these recordings um, come, from the, come from the books that have influenced and, and actually helped me understand the scriptures in regards to the kingdom of God. But those, if you're interested, those would be good books to pick up, to read, and, and gain some understanding there. And also... Uh, at some point during this le- lesson here, this session here, uh, uh, in the post of the, the this recording, a little lower down, there's, there's a, a document, a picture of a, a, of a document or a, a page that I gave to everybody at the session in place on this past Sunday that helps understand uh, one of the points I'll be talking about. So at some point, I'll be I'll be uh, directing you to pay attention to that that image. And so if you want, you can download that and have it on your computer, or just look at it within the post. And also within the post just below this recording is going to be a list of all the scripture verses that we'll be looking at uh, through this session. And so you can uh, you can pre-look those up ahead of time until uh, you're on the same page and recording or, or um, listening in as I, as I read those scriptures. And the very first scripture we're going to be looking at uh, in this session is Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. And it says, Now after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now let's jump to Matthew 4, 23 to 24. And that one reads, And he, meaning Jesus, went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Assyria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Now let's go to Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 1. It's when Jesus sends out the 12 apostles, and it says, And he, meaning Jesus, called the 12 together, And he gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 8 through 9, it's when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples. And it reads, Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. And now Acts chapter 1, verse 3, and this is after Jesus' resurrection. It says, He, meaning Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
question here is, we just read five different scriptures from Mark, Matthew, Luke, and in an Acts. And so the question is, what is the focus of Jesus' message? Even after the resurrection, what's his focus? And what does, he, uh, what does Jesus tell the disciples to focus on? And as, you, as we read through it, you see that it's the kingdom of God. It it's, 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 uh, shows up in every one of those scripture verses, whether it's Jesus proclaiming it or whether he's instructing the disciples. That's the main thing they're supposed to focus on. Or even after he comes back, after he's risen from the dead and he's spending 40 days with them, the main thing he's talking to the disciples about is the kingdom of God. So in the New Testament, uh, just so you understand, uh, I may use the phrase kingdom of God, but in New Testament writers, they use the phrase kingdom of God or may use the phrase kingdom of heaven or kingdom of Christ or just the word kingdom. And all these references are referencing the same thing, God's kingdom. And so I may use any one of these, uh, but I'm referencing the same thing, God's kingdom or the kingdom of God. And we just read a few from the Gospels and, and one from the, the book of Acts. Um, and, and in that, um, we, we see the kingdom of God. But if you read through, as you read through the Gospels, there's one thing you'll notice. You, you, you're going to see Jesus declaring uh, things like the, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is coming. It's, it's seen. It's received. It's entered into. It's given to the people. It's proclaimed. It's right here in the midst of the people. So he makes these declarations. He's proclaiming these things. Or you, you're going to read Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God. And he, he uses parables often. And he says things like, The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field. The kingdom of God is like the pearl of great price. The kingdom of God is like a seed sown. Or it's like a man who's gone off to receive a kingdom. And then you also see Jesus uh, demonstrating that the kingdom of God had come uh, in, in, in this current age. When he goes around healing and he's raising the dead and he's casting out demons. And he's, he tells them, if, 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 uh, if, you, if I'm casting out these demons, it's the kingdom of God has, has come near to you. And so he's, it's, it's, he's preoccupied the entire time as you read through the Gospels with the kingdom of God, either proclaiming it, teaching it, illustrating it, uh, demonstrating it. And so Jesus is pre- preoccupied with the kingdom. And why do you think that is? The thing is, why would Jesus spend so much time, so much energy on the kingdom of God? Well, if we, if we look at Jesus' life, the kingdom of God is, is fundamental to, to who Jesus was and what he did. See, his message, uh, his ministry, uh, his self-understanding about who he was, his understanding about God the Father, uh, his, his prayer life, um, his responses to life circumstances are all a, an expression, a byproduct of his perspective of the kingdom of God and of his Father in heaven. Now, he has this perspective. We're going to see that there, there, there's a, a, a stark contrast between the Jewish people's belief uh, in regards to the kingdom of God and what they thought it was and what Jesus' ha- um, uh, perspective of it is. And in one of the reasons, it's fundamental to Jesus, but he wants to, the, the people of God to understand the, the, uh, the, the kingdom of God for what it is, who, the, who they are to God, who the Father is, because that's what shapes how we respond to life. It shapes our prayer life. And so it's, it's, it's important for us, if it was this fundamental and foundational to all that Jesus was and all that he did, 
Um, uh, how do you think we should view the kingdom of God? Um, The kingdom of God, if if it was like this for Jesus, it should be the same for us. As believers, we need to understand who God is. We need to understand the scripture. We need to understand uh, the uh, the kingdom of God as Jesus portrays it, as Jesus teaches it and explains it. We need to understand it so we actually can gain the right perspective of who he is, who we are, who the Father is, our purpose, and how we respond to life. It's going to shape our prayer life. We should be devoted to gaining uh, Jesus' perspective of the kingdom if we're going to become like him. This is foundational who he was. So his whole life, his ministry, his message, his prayer life, his response to life circumstances were all a byproduct of, of what his perspective was of the Father and the kingdom of God. And I'll just say what our current perspective is of the kingdom of God and, and God the Father and who we are to him really is what shapes our, our prayer life, our life in response to circumstances and how we see all of life. And our worldview is all shaped by our perspective. So it, it's, it would behoove us to, to, um, to really uh, be devoted to gaining Jesus' perspective. See, uh, but, uh, almost, uh, I was a Christian for almost 20 years before I ever realized this preoccupation with Jesus. You know, with the with the kingdom of God, and when I started to uh, understand, I read the, the book, the Gospel of the Kingdom, about twenty years ago, and the, the, when I read that book, I was like, "Why didn't anybody ever tell me about the kingdom of God?" Like with, with this preoccupation that Jesus had, and what it did, it started this quest on my part to know and understand the kingdom as Jesus presented it and its implications. And now 20 years later, I know more about the kingdom of God, but I really don't really understand. I'm just barely scratching the surface of what the kingdom of God means. And and, and when I say by knowing it, I mean things that I've learned have now become a part of who I am. They've reshaped me. They've reshaped how I understand who I am, how I understand the Father. It's it's reshaped my prayer life and my response to life. It's it's reshaped how I see God's bigger bigger story that's that's being played out from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, So it's reshaping those things from from that perspective of the kingdom as, as Jesus uh, gives us his perspective of the kingdom of God. Now, when um, Jesus shows up on the scene and he, he's, he's going around <clears throat> proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come near to them, uh, the, this idea or the concept of the, of the kingdom of God coming was not a brand new idea that Jesus started. The, the idea or the, or the, the concept of uh, God's kingdom coming was familiar to the Jewish people from the Old Testament prophets, uh, prom- God's promises through the prophets that He would come someday, and um, and and bring His full kingdom. And so there, this, this is not something new. So even even think about like when you, when we read the Gospels, Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of God has come near. We don't see any record of anybody asking like like What are you talking about? What do you mean? They, see, they, they hear though that, that phrase, they hear that, that concept of, of God's, God's kingdom coming, his rule coming, and they, they, they've got some kind of idea or perspective about that. The thing is that Jesus' perspective of, of the kingdom of God uh, coming uh, in, that, in the one that he proclaimed, was, we're going to find is it was quite different than the perspective of the Jewish people of Jesus' day. And, and with that, 
we can we can make an assumption here. I think is that we all. I know that when I first started looking at the kingdom of God and 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 starting to understand it, I realized I did not see it as Jesus was was proclaiming it and teaching it. And so we can assume even as the Jews did did not quite understand what Jesus is doing or speaking about rather uh, that we we come uh, to this topic and and we can make an assumption that we're we're probably going to have a different perspective than Jesus. It's important that we recognize that be humble and be responsive to to gaining his perspective. Now but before we talk about the Jewish uh, people's perspective as compared to Jesus, it's important that we uh, we uh, biblically uh, define what that word kingdom itself means, uh, so we can understand, start to understand uh, what Jesus is presenting, what Jesus is teaching, what he's demonstrating as the kingdom of God. Now, that word kingdom, that word kingdom, not just not just a phrase kingdom, but the word kingdom. Uh, when what do you hear? But the question is, what do you, what what do you when you hear that word kingdom? What do you think it means? That's the question. And many, will, many in, in just in our modern culture, we have a, a certain idea about that word kingdom. So when we're reading it, we're, we're reading this, the gospel message. We're here seeing the word kingdom, and we've got a, 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 a modern uh, take on it, uh, not really one that comes from the time frame when Jesus is proclaiming it. And so many will see that the word kingdom, they think of, they think of a place like the, the, the kingdom of Great Britain or the United Kingdom. And they'll associate that word kingdom with, with a place or a realm or a country that has a monarch over it. Or the other way they'll think of it, they'll think of it in terms of the people who inhabit that, 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 uh, that place, that, that country. They're the, the citizens of that, that country. Now, if we were to apply those two meanings to the word kingdom uh, to, in, in trying to understand the biblical teaching of the kingdom, it would lead us to an un, un, incorrect understanding of the, of the biblical truth about the kingdom that Jesus presents. So now whether whether we're looking at the Old Testament Hebrew word makuth or from the New Testament Greek word basilia, the, the, those two words we, we see translated as, as the word kingdom in the New Testament and the Old Testament the primary meaning of those word, those two words, whether the Hebrew Old Testament or the Greek, is the same. It means rule or authority or sovereignty, the right or authority for one to rule. Now, now the idea is before, before we just throw away the idea of the, the, the meaning possibly, could possibly mean a, a place or a people. No, those 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 ideas, those those understandings of that word kingdom. They're still valid, but they're, they're secondary meanings, and they're, they're only valid because there is a sovereign authority ruling. There's a monarch. There's a king, and because of that there is a, a kingdom, a place. There is a, a kingdom of, of people, and so so sometimes when we see the word kingdom of God, sometimes people think of it's heaven, or they think of it's the people, the church. No, no, those are de- derived from the reality that God's rule, God's right to rule has come. So the kingdom of God, when you think of the kingdom, kingdom meaning the right or authority to rule, if you tie it to the kingdom of God, we're talking about God's right to rule. It's his sovereign authority. And this is how the Jewish people and even the Romans would have, have understood that phrase. You know, there would have been a herald that would come, at a, at a, at a, come around and when there was a, with a change of, of rule, uh, it, it, you know, a different ruler would come in, in, into power. And a herald would come in and say, listen to this good news. Listen to this gospel. Now, 
Herod is ruling. Herod's right to rule is now in place, and we have to respond to him. And so here, now this Jesus is coming saying, the kingdom of God, God's right to rule has come. He is now in charge. So whether Jewish people or the Roman people, they would have heard that word kingdom, understanding what it would have meant, and tying it to God, and Jesus saying, God has come, and God's right to rule is here and is going to be enforced. And just to understand that a little more, let's look at Luke uh, chapter 19, verse 11 through 15. And this is where Jesus tells, tells a parable that helps us understand the meaning of the word kingdom as regards to the kingdom of God. And I'll, I'll read from uh, Luke 19, verse 11 through 15. The parable is a little longer. We're just going to read that part there. Uh, that, help, that, that alone will help us understand the word kingdom in, in, as Jesus is presenting it. it. Verse 11 starts, it says, As they heard these things, he, meaning Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was, was to appear immediately. And he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas, and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent the delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. So if you read this, is, is did the nobleman go off to a far country to get a land mass to bring back to the country where he was from so he could rule over that new land mass? Or did he go get a bunch of new citizens and bring them back for him to rule over? No, that's not what he did. See, the place and the people that he had left, that area, that country he had left, to go to a far country to to then uh, receive a kingdom, to receive the right to rule. And then he would come back, and he would now come back to the same place he, he left, and he would rule over that place, and he would rule over that people. And that's where you see the meaning of the kingdom. So God's kingdom means his right to rule. Now with that understanding, we can go through a couple of different New Testament uh, scriptures and see where this meaning is evident, where the kingdom of God is not a realm or a people, but God's right to exercise authority. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 15. And this is Jesus uh, speaking here. It says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, let's reread this. Now, this is, this is what I started to do when I first started understanding kingdom of God meant God's right to rule. Every time I saw the word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, I would reread it as God's right to rule. So let's reread Mark 10, 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive God's right to rule like a child, shall not enter it. And also understand that where it means his kingdom. And so here we see actually the, the main meaning of the word, uh, God's right to rule, and then shall not enter it, his place where God dwells. But that's only valid because God is ruling. 
He has the right to rule. So what is Jesus saying here about receiving the kingdom of God? He's not talking about receiving a place or receiving a people. He's talking about talking about receiving God's right to rule, rule, embracing that God has the right to rule. And if one enters uh, if one if one wants to to enter the future realm of God's kingdom coming, they must uh, embrace, they must receive, they must uh, submit themselves to God's rule right now. That's what Jesus is saying. So let's look at another one, Matthew 6:33. And this is Jesus speaking again. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now let's reread it with God's right to rule there in place of the kingdom of God. Seek ye first God's right to rule and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what is Jesus saying here about seeking first the kingdom? See, this is not about seeking a place. This is not about seeking a people, but seeking God's rule, seeking his sway over our will, over our our life, to bring about his righteousness in our lives. And another one, just think of the the, the parable of the sower of the seed, right? The kingdom's like that seed sown. And and, and this is to give you an understanding of the the, the Jewish perspective. See, their perspective that when the kingdom of God came, when God's right to rule was going to come, when it came, no one could resist it. And Jesus starts to tell this parable about the kingdom of God, like a seed sown. It lands on four different types of soil. And there's four different kinds of responses. And three of them are the ones that they can resist the kingdom of God. But four, the fourth one, embraces it. And that would, that, that, as a Jewish people hearing it, they would really like, what are you saying? Because that's different than we understood it. So Jesus is talking about, here's, here's the kingdom of God, God's right to rule. It's really like this. It's going to come. It's like a seed being sown. And it's eliciting a response from people. And people can resist it at this point. There's coming a time in the future when it comes in fullness, then no one will be able to resist it. But right now, it can be resisted. Or there's the other one, like the kingdom of God is like a treasure. So God's right to rule is like a treasure hidden in the field. And so the man finds it and he, he, he buries it and he, and he goes and uh, buys that field so he can have the treasure. See, the treasure, the kingdom of God, understanding God's right to rule in our life is like a treasure. We'll embrace it. We'll submit to it. We'll enjoy uh, being underneath, underneath his rule and underneath his authority. These are different ways of seeing the kingdom of God, seeing it within the light of the, the kingdom of God as God's right to rule. So, so now that we've uh, defined what the kingdom of God means, meaning God's right to rule, and we've looked at some scriptures uh, where Jesus is, is using that phrase and what it means and understanding, it's not just a, a place or a people, it's, it's God's right to rule, his sovereign authority. And uh, now that we've looked at that, Let's uh, look at it and talk about the Jewish expectations and understandings of the kingdom of God coming. And we're going to start in Matthew 12, verse 32. And this here is Jesus talking. And it says, And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, uh, what we're looking at here is, is the, 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 the end of that verse there. It says, either in this age or in the age to come. 
Now, what does Jesus mean by the phrases this age and age to come? And what is the significance of these uh, two ages? Actually, let me just tell you, when I, when I first started um, uh, this quest to really start to understand the kingdom of God, not only did I really not know about the kingdom of God, I really didn't understand anything about th- this age and the age to come. I may have read it, but I never even noticed it in Scripture. But after I started looking at and starting to study the, the kingdom of God as Jesus uh, presents it and pre- his perspective of it, I also started seeing these two phrases. And this is a part of the understanding, the help to understanding the, the, the Jewish perspective. So, so what is this, this phrase? What, what, what is the significance of this? Jesus here tells us that there's these two ages. Now, this word age, this age in which we live, uh, is, 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 actually, it's, it's the age which we're living in right now, and the age to come is the future age. Now, what do, you, what do I mean by that? So Jesus is saying humanity's existence is set within the terms of these two separate ages. There's these two different periods of time. See the word ages right there, whether it's in this age or in the age to come, is the Greek word ion. And it's translated the word age. Sometimes it's translated the word word, uh, world, rather. Sometimes the word course. But the word itself, the Greek word, is used to describe a period of time, like from creation to right now. And there's that span of time. So Jesus is talking about within this age, he's talking about from creation to this moment right now. And when he lives in it right now, it's for us, it's this age we're living in. It's from creation until now. And then there's the age to come. And, and many see this age or this present period of time as is, is, uh, us living uh, our bodily life here on earth within time, where there's time. You know, like, you know, 8 o'clock, 8.01, 8.02, 8.03. And then they see uh, the age to come or the future is seen as a, a future life where we live in eternity and, and there's no time. It's beyond time. There's no longer any time at all. But I want to make the point here is that biblical view tells us that eternity is not beyond time, but it's unending time. Just like we have time now, it's even as I talk, it's going, it's one second, two seconds, three seconds, time is passing. We were made as humans to live within time. And there's going to be time in the future, just not going to ever end. So eternity is its unending time. So here's this age we live in, and there's the age to come. And so, what scripture can you use to to validate, Kenny? Well, if you look at Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, John is in heaven, and where he's gone up to heaven, he's he's there, and and he talks about there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. How would he talk about a half an hour time frame passing if he didn't understand that there was time? And just think about worship in heaven right now. What what is what what requires time? Music, words being spoken. If there was no linear time frame of, of time passing, we would all all be saying all the words we ever would say for all eternity, all in one moment. No, there's a passing of time, and so we see that. And in Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66 and Revelation 21 and Second Peter 3, it tells us there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth for us to live on. So humanity was created to, to exist within time and on earth. And at some point, when the age to come comes, and this age ends, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. 
And see, that's that was their perspective. There's this age was going to go on. It was going to go on to a certain point. At some point, it would end. God's kingdom would come, and the age to come would start. Time eternal in in a new heavens and a new earth. Now let's look let's look look at another scripture that talks about the, this age and the age to come. Galatians chapter one verse three through five. It says, "Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us." from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before I, I uh, give you some input in regards to that the scripture, Galatians 1, 3 through 5, I want to make note uh, to, to look at this, the, uh, the image that is in this um, uh, podcast post there that, that talks about, you see there's the two arrows going from left to right, one is above the other, and then there's the arrow going down, and you see one of the lines that says, this age, and then the, the other one going left to right says, the age to come, and then there's the phrase, coming of Christ and resurrection. Now this, this is a document uh, or an image that you can use to help, uh, help explain uh, some of what I'm talking about as we talk about the age. So you see this, there's this, this age which we currently live in, it's, it's time passing in a linear way. And at some point, the Jewish perspective was that, that the Christ or the Messiah would come and there would be a mass resurrection. And at that time, that this age we live in would end and the age to come would start. And so here, so we're talking about now this age. We just read in Galatians 1, 3. I'm going to reread it again. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Or, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The question is, how does Paul characterize this age? Now, Paul comes from this Jewish background, and he says, he, he tells us, this age is evil. So you can actually, if you want, if you, if you printed that, this, that image, you could write on where it says, this age, just some characteristics. This age is evil. It's wicked. It's bad in nature. It's diseased. It's sick. And it's causing trouble. And also, he says, Paul says, this is an age where humanity needs to be delivered from, which can only be accomplished by Christ's death, which is part of God's kingdom coming. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, and read that one. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of uh, or actually, if it says it says the word course, it, it means following the age of this world, following the prince of the power of air, this the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And we'll read another one from Paul from Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse three and four. And these two here, I just read, I'm reading here, uh, Paul gives us another characteristic of this age as the Jewish people understood it. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And in their case, the God of this world or the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the, of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Of God. And see, in these two uh, uh, scripture references in Ephesians and 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that this age is characterized by darkness. 
that Satan is the God of this age. And he's working to keep men and women from Christ uh, through spiritual blindness and unbelief. And he's, he's influencing humanity in this age to walk in ways that do not honor God. So here, as you look at that image where it says this age, what's going on from, uh, from Genesis to right now, uh, that this age is evil. Men need to be uh, delivered from it. It's dark. It's uh, this, Satan is uh, God of this world, although remember, God is still sovereign over him. And there's spiritual blindness and unbelief. And the enemy is influencing people to walk in ways that do not honor God. Now let's look at Matthew 13, verse 22. It's another one. This is one that Jesus tells us a bit about the characteristic of this age. As for what, this is actually uh, his uh, part of the uh, his explanation of the a parable of the sower of the seeds, and it says, "As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world or the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world word and proves it unfruitful." Here Jesus is interpreting part of the parable of the sower of the seed, and he tells that he's told earlier in Matthew 13. And he's telling us the spirit that characterizes this age is deceitful, and it's full of the cares of this world, and it's working to choke the word and make it unfruitful. See, the spirit of this age, the demonic influence over this age, will always be hostile hostile toward and in conflict with the gospel of the kingdom, of the good news of the kingdom. The Jewish people hearing Jesus announce the kingdom of God had come, come near to them, were familiar with the idea of these two ages and that the kingdom of God would come at some point. The Jewish people had a certain understanding from the Old Testament promises that that shaped some well-developed expectations they had about the end of this age, when this age would end, the kingdom of God coming and the beginning of the age to come. Now, at this time, we're not going to go through all the Old Testament scriptures to to talk about their perspective, but I'm going to share their expectations they had from what, for what, uh, of what the kingdom of God would be like as Jesus shows up and proclaims the kingdom of God had drawn near. Now, if you want to, if you want to look through the Old Testament, you're going to find in Exodus, uh, the first and second Chronicles, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and these the different writings that, that that really would have shaped the, the Jewish people's expectations of what the kingdom of God coming would be like. And now, as we as we look at these uh, expectations the Jewish people would have had, um, this is a point to to, to uh, look at that that image or that pi- the picture I have of, of the document there of the this age, the age to come, and Christ the coming of Christ and resurrection. Um, see, they the Jewish people. At that point, when they they expected that the Christ would come, the the God's the kingdom of God would come, the resurrection would happen. At that point, and there was a there was a time that they thought that that those two events, the ending of this age and the age to come, would happen in one cataclysmic event, and that would, that, that this current evil age would finally come to an age, and that age to come would begin. And and, and there there were a few ex- things that the Jewish people expected. To happen with that event, first of all, the, the Christ would would come, and and actually one of the references in, is in Daniel, and uh, he he uh, uses a phrase, 
And, it, and it's, it's a phrase called the son of man who would come and pulverize every other government, every other country and nation where God's kingdom would reign. And so uh, you notice when we, when we read, and when I first read this, uh, under, started understanding the kingdom of God, uh, this is one of the things that stood out was that phrase, the son of man. Jesus identifies himself as the son of man throughout the gospels. Others call him the son of God, but he talked about the son of man. Now that was a phrase the Jewish people would have understood because that was one of the things they hoped for, that there would be this son of man who would come and who would pulverize every other government and nation where then God would reign on earth in fullness. And so here's, that's one of the prophet's expectations that, you know, is from in Daniel. And so here's this, that Christ, that son of man would come and he would, this is their expectation that he would come and he would, he would vanquish and, and end all evil, all human rebellion and sin once and for all would be done with. And at the same time, he would bring salvation for his people, which would include forgiveness, healing, liberation, deliverance, uh, a resurrection, and a pouring out of his spirit in abundance on his people and bringing eternal joy. And so here's the, that's part of their expectation that when, when, the, when, the, when the Messiah would come and he would come with God's kingdom, God's rule, right to rule, that their expectation was this age would end, the new one would start, and at the same time that, that that Son of Man would vanquish all evil and rebellion and sin, at the same time God would bring the fullness of salvation for His people. And so the people are hearing Jesus proclaiming the kingdom of God had come. They have these expectations, you know, is this the moment? And so uh, with that, they were also expecting something, especially the Jews of that day, that they were expecting that the Messiah would come and would crush and forcefully overthrow the occupying and oppressive Roman government and reestablish Israel as, as rulers over all. See, that was all part of their expectation. That was, they're hearing Jesus say this, and they're wondering what's happening. Even the disciples, you know, in Matthew 24, 3, uh, they, they asked Jesus, is, uh, they asked, the disciples asked him, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They're, they're looking for Jesus to do these very things, even disciples. And, um, and, for, and from what we've discussed so far, we see that, that God is separated. You know, we, we we're going to come to the close of this lesson here. And, and uh, is understanding that defining the kingdom, it means God's authority to rule, his sovereign right to rule. And we see then there's a, these two ages. God separates his purposes and deals with humanity in the terms of these two ages, this age and the age to come. And the two ages are separated by two things, the coming of Christ and the resurrection. That's the Jewish people's expectation. And then and, 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 then there's a, a, a perfected kingdom of God that belongs to the age to come, and we in that the understanding is that they'll, they'll never will never understand will never experience the fullness of its blessings of the kingdom of God's blessings as long as this current evil age exists. That's why they thought this age had to end before the age to come could start. Now, if we were to stop our study right here at this point. All we would have is a redemption or a salvation that's a one of promise only. It's still something off in the future. It would be like having an insurance policy. 
And the only value we'd get from it, or, or the Jewish people were getting from it, is that it gives them a sense of security for the future. See, this is how the Jewish people saw uh, the kingdom of God coming. And this is how the gospel sometimes we often hear presented, and we're going to talk about that as we as we move along, presented or portrayed in our day today, that it's still something, just a future hope we have, a future promise we have. But, but as we close, my question is, but is the gospel that Jesus proclaims, the gospel of the kingdom of God, is it one just of promise only, or is there more than just a promise? Is it more than just an insurance policy for us for the future? And we'll find out that next week. As we close, I, I want to really encourage you to take time during this next 10 weeks or so that we're together going through uh, these kingdom essentials is read the four gospels. Read through them. Read through them multiple times if you can and, and read that. And as you read uh, and you see the phrase, the kingdom of God, Try to reread it or think as you're reading it, God's right to rule. And start to think of that. And try to pick up where there's the talk of this age and the age to come. And start to to, 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 try, uh, to, to add to your reading some of the things that I just talked about today to help you start to perceive the perspective of Jesus. So until next week, God bless.